Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the world of stand-up, radio, TV, writing and today, design. We have such an amazing guest on today. I've been editing this all afternoon and I'm so excited to upload it. Idil Sukhan is an art director and photographer who specialises in performers' marketing materials. She has put together some of the most outstanding posters and marketing materials for famous, not so famous and brand new comedians and understands the nuances and psychology behind what attracts certain audience members and what turns off audience members because let's face it, you don't want your show to attract everyone because if it does, it'll be bland and boring and attract no one. She had some amazing thoughts on how much you should put into your marketing budget and why it shouldn't just be a friend of a friend who designed your poster. You should really invest in your photography and your design and your marketing. And one of the big standout quotes for me, which I sort of knew, but I'd never had it told to me in this way before, was when she said, more people will see your poster or flyer than will actually see your show. Sounds simple, but when you think about it like that, it does put into perspective how much money you should probably put into your marketing materials versus your venue. Before we listen to the interview, I want to quickly tell you about her debut exhibition. She's supported us. We're going to try and support her as best we can. She's got an exhibition called This Comedian, and it looked outstanding from what I saw. I did the recording in her in her apartment uh, slash studio. And she had loads of pictures on the wall that she was going to be displaying. As well as all of her marketing materials and promotional stuff. And I'm really excited to go and look at it. it it's going to probably give me loads of inspiration and loads of ideas. And I can't wait to just go down and talk to her some more. As you can tell from this interview, we chatted for ages more than the interview but this is the distilled version of everything that was relevant to what I think this audience or my audience of this podcast will enjoy. Very quick shout out to Mike Sheldon as well who is a frequent listener of the show but also lent me the portable mic that I recorded this on which really helped out. Also uh, thank you to the UK podcast group which helped me with the sound on it 
Um, a few people have made comments like that the sound is not loud enough for them on trains and cars. So as a result, I've invested in some some. I've invested in some software and I've invested some time into my own knowledge so I can make the sound as loud and as clear as possible for you in all ways that you listen to it. Let me know if it made a difference. Let me know if it helped. That would be really useful. Another bit of feedback I've been getting is sometimes these are uh, a bit long to be in one file. Some people want them in two parts. So if you would like your podcast in two parts, you're in the wrong place because this is the full podcast. I have uploaded it in two parts, so if you'd like to download parts one and two, you can find it on iTunes, find it on rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com, which is where you can find the show notes. Unfortunately, the show notes timestamps don't correspond for the two-part episodes. They only correspond for this podcast that you're listening to right now. I don't have time to write the show notes for three different files effectively so if you want to listen to the full podcast and follow along with the show notes feel free if not you can download the podcast in two equal parts this is not that this is the full podcast if you're in the wrong place you might want to stop and go and re-download it in the two individual parts if not you're about to listen to the interview so without any more delays this is Adil Sukhan you kind of have to go right back to base principles, go right back to why you're even bothering to do comedy in the first place, why you're even bothering to figure out an hour-long show um, and and then develop the visuals from that, develop how you're going to be represented from that rather than trying to um, Google marketing techniques. No, that's just interesting for me because... I find, uh, so I've got friends who do characters and, they, and they'll sort of sit down and methodically work out, oh, the character's this, so they need to look more like this, or, or especially with sketch groups sometimes because the sketch involves, you know, props or looking like a certain sure. way. But they're still coming from it, it, coming to the whole process from a creative origin. So they're still coming to what they're wearing from, well, why they're trying to... Um, they're trying to develop visual gags or they're trying to make characters cohesive. Like It's the same with drama. I mean, drama especially, when you're trying to create a theatrical piece, then everything that the character is wearing, everything that the ca- all the characters' pipes and pearls and handbags, all of those are relevant. So that's why you have prop masters and that's why you have costume people and that's why you have huge teams in theatres because they're all essential for rounding off those characters as much as possible. And the more rounded the character is and the more cohesive it is and the more subtle it is and the more unified it is and the more nothing stands out as weird or shoddy or lacking in detail, only then can you really have fun with the character. Then you can really, like let it rip with the, with the character. The actor can then has that freedom to do whatever they want because they have completely... Um, they, yeah, they... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, edit that with that. Um, <laughs> only then have they really absorbed the character and inhabited the character and then they can make jokes and and also be incredibly dramatic and also garner emotional responses in the audience. But if the jacket is a little bit shoddy, you see it in amateur theatre all the time, where they're wearing a shirt that clearly is like one size too big for the actor and like a terrible corduroy 
jacket, and it's it, it looks like the last thing that was hanging in the in the costume cupboard. And then and, and everybody's like, well, that will do. And they're try- they're not wearing a belt with their slacks, and it's all lacking in detail. And you know, so much of poorly produced theatre is like that. When they're it, it's that shine, it's that little, you know, it's the the final touches on a character that's so essential. Um, and all of that to get that right, you have to really care, and you have to really concentrate you have to really understand that it's important because the more you do that the more you polish things off the more cohesiveness you have the more coherence you have visually whether it's the photo or the design or the poster or the set or what you're the background the backdrop the props your wig and your glasses the more cohesiveness you have then the the more inviting and warm and cosy that universe is for the fans and the more you can let rip with the comedy. And that's why it's so important. That's why visuals are so essential because it's that it's that first invitation, it's the first port of call, it's the first engagement that you have with any audience member, any potential audience member, any potential fan that's the first greeting to them and if you look like a dick then people are just not going to want to hang out with you and more often than not photography and posters are scenes you know they're, they're done at the very last minute they're done with almost no money there's a lot of producers who don't you don't realise how important they are and you end up with uh, people looking like dicks on a whole bunch of very expensive posters all around the city. And then people wonder why they're not, you know, selling tickets. They end up looking like everybody else. They look, they end up lost in a overwhelming sea of gawking faces and shrugging shoulders. And nobody wants to hang out with someone who shrugs their shoulders all the time in real life, like if your buddy just every time you saw them picked up two arbitrary objects like an asparagus and a shoe and shrugged their shoulders and was like, hey, I've got an asparagus and a shoe. You want to hang out? You want to hang out tonight? Then you would not hang out with them and you would (laughs) never speak to them again. That's what would happen, and that's it's the same with posters. Uh, um, so yeah, stop looking like dicks, people, and pay attention to detail. It's all about the detail. That's what puts me off. So there's like, a lot of DVDs that have come out where they've just got a comedian holding a microphone, like just standing there with it, kind of thing. We know and comedians hold microphones. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we know. Like this is what's so incredible about the lack of faith that producers seem to have in their brilliant comedians, that they have to insert a microphone into their hand for all their photos to remind everyone, this person is definitely a comedian, everyone. They're definitely funny. Look, they have a microphone. They must have something to say, right? Like, it's... It's so on the nose. Like, it's a poster of a comedian. They're holding a microphone. Like, it... it. 
it's unbelievable how how like nobody even bothered to switch on their imagination that day like they have one everybody has one and it's just sitting there on a shelf and nobody's taking it down and it's why i don't understand why producers and commissioners or or prs or that you know there are loads of fantastic producers loads of fantastic prs are loads of fantastic agents certainly but and and actually more so over the years uh, as comedy grows the the tide is changing everybody it's very exciting that people are more excited to do creative things with comedy publicity but still it's like i mean these people's lives you know it's it's a whole year of your life at least to develop an hour-long show to then record for a dvd and it gets reduced to holding a microphone at a jaunty angle. That's your whole life is right there. It's like, well, I can hold this microphone slightly wackily. And that's that's meant to represent all your tears and blood and complicated relationships and the fact that you don't ring your dad as much as you should do and the fact that you don't eat properly you get takeout like four times a week and you haven't done your laundry and your whole life is a mess you cry all the time everything is boiled down to just one shitty fucking microphone and that I think is a shame I agree (laughs) I'm glad you agree (laughs) you said it a lot more eloquently than I have (laughs) Um, I the only exception to that is Louis C.K. I think he has a he has a poster for his latest special where he's just holding a microphone like that, and it's perfect for him yes. because that's all he is. You see, I think it works because I think it comes from the same yes. creative origins. There, mm. I think there are a couple of comedians that it does work to hold a microphone because mm. they're so. With Louis, he, he, everything is stripped back so much. Like, it is him in a black T-shirt, you know, and he, he's talking about incredibly, I mean, basic. I want to say basic. Mm. I mean, because it's, everything is so basic. It's like, well, mm. my kid said the shitty thing, and I hate my shitty kid, and, and everything is shitty. And it's just stuff that just happened. Literally everything feels... it. He's the only comedian that I would ever believe if he said this... This, you'd never guess what happened to me like when I was just on my way to the gig because every single thing that he says really does appear to be that thing that just happened right now and he's pissed off. And, and there are comedians that that suits, that it, 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 do, it is boiled down so much that actually that reductive, very classic image does work for him. But equally with him, if you, it, I've never seen him wackily gawk at the camera in this needy, despicably, like, wanton way of, like, please pay attention to my poster. You know, I've never seen Louis C.K. do that. Like, his photos, he's quite... It's stripped down and it's calm uh, and it's steady. And I think that's very important. And I think a lot of people will confuse that with, like, oh, but he's got a microphone, but they don't see all of that. They don't see that it works creatively and coherently with the rest of everything including his actual material when when i designed my poster for the first time 
I remember looking around at other people's and going, oh, I like that, I'm going to have a bit of that, I like that, I'm going to have a bit of that. And then when I put something together and showed a friend, they were like, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know what the show's about. And it was because I was looking at stuff that I liked yeah. and stuff that I thought worked because and I was only looking at the poster rather than the bigger picture of the thing. So I know exactly what you mean by that. And I'm pretty sure a lot of early comedians are guilty of that, where you sort of go... Sure, of course. Uh, like, er- anyone who's doing anything. Like, when I first started out as a photographer, I, you know, I would look at lighting patterns and, and how other photographers lit their work and how artists painted light. And, um, and... And at first, it's for reference. At first, it's because you're you're trying to find your own identity, and I totally understand that at the beginning of your career. But as you forward, if you're any good, if you're listen, if you're terrible, then that's that's what's going to keep happening. You're going to keep clawing around for any kind of sense of identity, and that's fine because not everyone is good. They're you know like ninety five percent of of anyone doing anything uh, is middling at best and only a few people are going to find like they're everybody's striving for it but you know you're going to find your identity as you do it and the more you do it the more you write the more you pay attention the more you realize that everything has to come from you like I, i think a lot of the time this happens with pr as well that you know that you you book a PR and then you expect them to sort of solve your life and make you famous, but actually it, it needs that input. Same with design, it's the same with the poster, it's the same with the image. It, you can't just book a photographer and then not talk to them and then three weeks later you turn up at their studio and expect some you know, award-winning photo to appear. You have to put in the effort, you know. You, you know, I've had someone turn up with a Sainsbury's bag full of wet clothes, and it's like, okay, come on, like we talked about this. You, there, there has to, people have to meet in the middle. You have to, you, you're bringing a creative on board, um, and so you have to. So that's why it's so important to forge that identity, and then. And then communicate that identity, develop it with your other creators, develop your identity with the PR, develop your identity with the producer. Again, you can't hope to be signed by a producer and then for every and then suddenly to sell all your tickets out. You've got to write a blog and tweet funny stuff and you've got to put in the work every day and you've got to do your own press, do your own production, do your own little Facebook event, do your own website, get a nice website, get nice pictures, talk to the photographer, give the photographer reference images, make sure that you know what you're getting, um, take the photographer out for expensive drinks, photographers love that, do that for your photographer, for your designer, again, you know, like, give them, give them a chance to do something great, give them time, don't ring them up with about three days, I think we, <laughs> I've done so many posters, like literally the day before, that's when I get rung up, I, get, I, I, I post on Facebook and my mailing list and on Twitter, I'm like, come on, book, book me early, book me early, and still people ring the, the day before the deadline, and they're like, hey, I don't have a poster, and nor do they, you know, nor I'm do they have idea. a show, <laughs> nor do they have a title, the more it, I mean, it's easier to say than it is to do, obviously. But the more you put in to anything, the more you get out of it. Um, 
the, the amount of I mean I know they have merit and reasons for it but the amount of photos I've seen with people holding a microphone in an unrealistic pose with a white background just just because they said they needed headshots or whatever yeah. drives me mental I mean I know because I have friends who do photography and they say well the reason it's got a white background easier to crop out so if we want to put you in something that's fine but then I look at some of the poses and I'm like you're never unless that was specifically for something you're never going to need like a pose where you're like leaning up against a wall holding the, you know casually we're like an orange over here for some reason you know what I mean yeah and I, don't, I never understand why those are take. Are those just vanity shots then it's more than because, anything? No, or? it's not vanity. It's laziness. People, <laughs> people see those photos out there and they just take photos of what they think comedians should look like. Because that's what they've seen. And that's what comedians have seen. There are comedians who think that that's the photo that they need. It's not just the photographer's fault. Um, it's 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 laziness on everybody's part. Everybody at every stage has been lazy to create that final image. They've looked at the internet, they've Googled comedian, they've seen some awful person, some awful shoot, scratching the back of their head, with their armpit showing, and then they take the exact same picture. Um, there, there's also, a, I mean, <laughs> I think there are people who have collected them uh, <laughs> like collected images of men um, scratching the back of their head and showing their armpit. A really? Bit. Yeah, there, there's, there's a tumbler there's for one, it. <laughs> there's hundreds of them. Right. And, and it's amazing. So, yeah, sometimes you'll, you'll spot them next to each other in an Ed Fringe program and it's hilarious when that happens. And it's, it seems like nobody's even thought about it. Nobody at any point even questions if that was the way to represent a male comedian is that like is it you know was there a rule was there like a symposium that dictated that that was how male comedians should be represented while female comedians looking kooky and off to the side like they've got nothing challenging to say um so there are every single comedian likes to think that they're different right i'm assuming well, yeah, you, every, every comedian is doing it because they think they've some got something level, different yeah. to say. They, you know, otherwise, why would they bother doing it? They think yeah. that they're good. They think that they're better. They, they think that they've they've got it from a slightly different angle. That their jokes are different. And so, why on earth are their photos not coming from the same detailed place? Like they, you know, I've, I have to sometimes really get it out of people. Like, we, you know, we really have to talk about. The show, I, I really have to force it on a lot. I mean, and that sounds insane, but you know, most of the time, you know, people come to me because I'm, you know, I like to do narrative stuff, I like to do very creative stuff, I like to do very art directing stuff. Um, and sometimes people just assume that that just gets plucked out of nowhere and they, they think they can just sort of turn up, but actually those pictures are a result of a huge amount of planning like it, it's it's days of thinking and working and and figuring stuff out and talking to the comedian and producers and PRs and all sorts of things and and planning for it and getting stuff in and getting reference images in um and sometimes a comedian will see all those images and not realize all the work that's gone in from both sides not just from me but from the comedian as well, that's what's critical is the comedian has invested that time into that shoot as well. It's not just me, and 
that you know sometimes you have to encourage that to come out of the community you have to encourage them to care about it because otherwise I may as well just give them the camera and then like set it up on a tripod and take their own stupid picture like you know what's the point of getting me in to do it otherwise or you know what's the point of paying a photographer to to do it if you're just gonna you know turn up and do a shot that everybody else has and there's absolutely no creativity has gone into it and no um no reflection of your singular talents or your specific uniqueness uh, and comedy charm has gone into it like there's no point you know just set up your eyesight (laughs) on your macbook and uh, take a bunch of pictures and use them you said a second ago that uh, you should take your photographer out and take your designer out. Does that mean you think photographers and design you should get a photographer and a designer, or do you think it's better to have them be one person? Not everyone does do design and photography. That that's um, yeah. It's there are of course uh, some photographers who do design as well. I do design and photography. I started out as a designer and artist. Um, and then I took up photography. Um, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same person. I come in as an art director, so I. That's the thing. I, I I actually find it weird to say that I'm just a designer, or just a photographer, because I I art direct things, and then I commission myself to be the designer, and then commission myself to be the photographer. Um, I have, on very rare occasions, commissioned other designers to take things on or commissioned um, set designers. And I obviously commission stylists and I commission hair and makeup people and I get very specific people on board to come in on the team. Remember that doing a photo shoot, doing a publicity campaign is not really a one-person job. And and I'm even, even though I'm the one doing the photography and the design physically, like creatively, in front of Photoshop... I, I'm not one person. I have a team. I've got assistants. I've got stylists, hair and makeup people, um, people who help me run the studio, all sorts of things. So, photography and design shouldn't ever be a one-person job. Um, and so, if you if they are separate people, if your designer is one person and your photographer is another person, the stylist is another person that hasn't been commissioned by anyone, somebody randomly that you know, etc., etc., then you have a lot of disparate entities coming in, and what you need is an auteur, is that visionary, is that art director. You need someone to bring it all together. And that's what I do for the publicity campaigns that I take on, but if, if, I'm, if, if, if you don't have someone like that, then you get those classic posters where it's just a random photo, which is nice, you know, a a random nice photo and a random nice font and then just whack together and then there's a poster. And that is the majority of Edinburgh fringe posters, like the great majority, you know, nice photo, nice font, People say, oh, cool poster, but actually it's kind of nothing. It's kind of, no, at no point has it been art directed or developed, again, with that, to in parallel with how you've been creating the show. It doesn't necessarily reflect the show, it doesn't necessarily 
um, add to it. That's the thing. It's an opportunity. The poster and the photography and the design is such an opportunity to add so much depth to the show because it it can create expectations or counter expectations or puncture the the, the wacky title or um, or you know subvert different themes etc as such a huge opportunity it's so much real estate there that you have that are going to be splashed all over it, it the the photo and the, and the poster are going to be seen by so many more people than will ever see the show will ever see it thousands of people tens of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people sometimes will see the poster and only sometimes a few hundred people will see the show. Let's and and people will lie. You'll get you know if you if you have a good Edinburgh, you you come into meetings in London. Everybody wants to talk to you. The majority of those people will lie about seeing the show, and they'll just go on the poster. Like they'll they'll just uh, they'll just you know they'll just figure out what the show is about from based on the poster. It's not that they're lying about seeing the show. It's more that they. You know, they're they're looking at you as a commercial entity. Suddenly, they're they're seeing how you work on a poster, seeing how you work as a, a sellable commodity. It's quite an exciting prospect for them if your poster is great, if you're if you look incredible in photos. So, you need to get that really like great poster. It's not good enough to just have a random idea and say that to the designer and say that to the photographer. You need an art director to bring them both together and to make sure that they're working in sync, in unison. Now, that art director could be you. You could be the art There's no reason why the comedian can't be the art director. But the comedian has to realise that that's the responsibility, instead of just randomly being like, yeah, I love that font, and I love that texture, and I love that, you know, like, let's do a cool... You know, there has to be this kind of interest from them in their whole show, in in every single detail of their show, so yeah, of course you 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 know it's it's not a it's not a one person job. There's always a team involved, um, and if you if you and equally if you find someone who does both photos and design, it doesn't follow that they're also an art director. By the way, getting one person to do both the design and photography is not necessarily better than getting different people because that person that person who does both might might be doing the same thing might just randomly take a photo and then randomly pick a font they're not necessarily art directing either you you still might have to come in as the art director so that's kind of the difference that's 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 what i try and do i come in as an art director and then we get the best possible facets of every of every part of making that poster making that coherent publicity campaign and sometimes we'll make bits of sets that work as well that actually um that actually continue that art direction into the show itself so bits of the set will reflect the poster or the photo or um what people are wearing so a lot of the time the styling that we do for the photo shoot that styling will then be bought out and then will actually be used on the stage um, and throughout the actual performance and through the year, you know, the whole touring. 
um, backdrops that we use in the in the photo shoot then will, you know will then be used on say there's all sorts of things that it you know we can really expand that to create that universe sorry that blown my mind a bit <laughs> just because no because i didn't think of that more people will see my post than my show yeah of course they did no i know but i never thought of that i know that sounds ridiculous it's crazy isn't it that and people don't realize that that's why it's so important yeah. Because people have an opinion of you without ever seeing your show. Or meeting you or watching yeah, meet, you or whatever, yeah. Exactly. They have an opinion formed yeah. based on that poster, based on the photos, based on your your website, based on your Facebook page, based on visuals. We're living in an in a, in a visual society now. There's, I mean, we're at, it's an absolute like epidemic of like photos everywhere. We're completely surrounded. And people make instant judgments based on photography and that those photos and that design has to be a reflection of your show and your ideas and your comedy and what and a reflection of why the fuck you're even bothering to do this in the first place what i'm thinking of is i do that when i look at other people's posters yeah but i never think of it from <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. We all we all judge everyone else. We never figure out that we're the ones being judged as well. Because it's much easier to judge everyone else. It's very easy. I'm very judgmental. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, well, of course I am. I, I, I'd be rubbish at my job if I wasn't this judgmental. That's fair. I'm never letting you see my post. <laughs> don't don't uh, let me see it. Unless I've designed it, don't let oh, me see it's it. it's so pretty that... Okay. Um, we'll talk later. Um, I might have to get you to redesign it. Um, but I, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> I don't know if I can afford you. Um, but that's what they all say. Uh, are you are you okay to talk about yeah. fees and stuff? Mm-hmm. How do fees work with you? Um, I'm more expensive than other people, um, <laughs> but uh, but I think I do something. But then again, I think I do something different to other people. As I say, I come in as an art director. I come in early in the process. I do a huge amount of like back work, um, build stuff or make stuff or hire stylists, uh, um, oversee you know makeups, styling details, art directing, and and then make that sort of cohesive with the design as much as possible. Um, so there's a lot more there's a lot more prep work and there's a lot more creative direction. There's a lot more talk about the show. There's a lot more talk about the themes. There's a lot more discussion. There's a lot more discussion about your career moving forward, like why you're doing the photos. So we're trying to get a set of photos that aren't just for the show. We're trying to sort of create a set of photos that can last you through the year and have loads of different purposes. Um, make sure they're photos that can be that, that have a lot of flexibility, so they work in you know posters and campaigns and press and all all that kind of thing and and that they tie and the most important thing is that they they come, you know they come from the same place um that you know the that all the creativity works as well so do you think it's worth go- i mean do you go and watch the show or a preview to get a feel for it i try as much as possible it's so difficult because there's i mean there's no time and nobody ever has enough time and people book me like with not enough time sometimes sometimes or actually what's more typical is that they haven't <laughs> written it yet <laughs> they there's no show yet um so when there's no show yet 
you know, as much as possible, just as much reference images as possible, as much prep as possible, as much as you can do. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's it can end up being, like, weeks of work um, or m- months of work sometimes when it, when it gets to, you know, how much work we do on the design and the and the photos and everything put together can be, yeah it sort of ruins my life <laughs> so probably the comedians as well yeah no no what it doesn't ruin their lives no, they I mean, get writing famous a show. I mean, oh, writing, writing a show, a show. oh yeah. yeah writing a show ruins everyone's life yeah definitely but the work I do makes you goddamn famous so I think it's worth it do you have any success stories you like that you're particularly proud of Oh God, um, uh, success stories in the sense that I'll, I'll be I'll be blunt with you. Um, a large number of people who have asked about this series are looking at doing promotional materials for their show, mm-hmm. but have no idea where to start and have no idea why they need to do it. Or like a few people said to me because they heard my interview with Alex Petty. This will probably get a bit edited out. Um, because he was talking about getting listed in the brochure, mm-hmm. because, and a lot of them were like, "Yeah, but it's like three hundred quid." And oh my I, god! And Alex is, well, yeah. Sorry, go. On. Yeah. Okay. So for people who are listening to this podcast, who are trying to sort of figure out how to get started with all this, um, if you're taking a show to Edinburgh, you one hundred percent have to get listed in the program. It's insane if you're not. That's where all journalists carry that program as a bible. They circle the ones they want. Um, they look at it and people just don't pay attention to shows that are not listed in the programme. It's very, very rare. Obviously, there are shows that aren't listed in the programme and uh, it's uh, completely ridiculous. And, and actually, the only ones that benefit from that are ones that have a huge profile anyway. Um, so if you're just starting out, it's insane to not be listed. Um, also, punters, they just look at the programme. They're excited. You, you have to get people excited. You have to get your name known. Agents look at it. Casting directors look at it. Everybody looks at it. Um, the second thing is that if you can afford it, you want to get an advert in there. It's the only... If you only have a limited budget for advertising, you want to get an advert in the Fringe programme. Because, as I say, every single person will look at it, scan it, circle it, get excited about it. And, and read it from cover to cover. I mean, the comedy section gets read and read and read and read and read. Um, so if you have a huge advertising budget, then yeah, go for it. Get the quarter pages and the full pages in, in three weeks and all this kind of stuff. But if you have a limited budget, actually just getting one quarter page in fest and you know a, a, an eighth page in the list and stuff, that won't do you any good because it'll be so random that people won't notice it. Um, those are great if you've got a bigger publicity campaign and you want that like frequency of information, you want that information, you want those visuals appearing again and again and again and again. But if you have limited budget, you know, scrape it together, it's worth it. Get the ad in the fringe guide because that establishes you as a person of commitment. You have committed to being a comedian. You there's um I talk about this a lot elsewhere, but Comedian, the name comedian, the actual word, is not a protected term. Anyone, you can do five gigs or 200 gigs, either person can call themselves a comedian. You, there's no set number of gigs before you can start saying that, there's no set quality, there's no number of awards you have to win before you can start calling yourself a comedian. I know people who've done, you know, hundreds of gigs over years and still don't call themselves a comedian. 
and equally I know people who've done 12 gigs and they're shit and they call themselves a comedian so so one thing about having a photo taken having a professional photo taken and that design and getting an advert printed in the comedy section is that actually that's a bit of self-determination that's that's a very kind of that's a very distinctive way of establishing your base there you you know you you've drawn the line you're like I am a comedian this is what I'm doing and if you're just starting out it's so important that kind of visual confirmation affirmation that this is what you're doing you're doing a show you're a comedian it's going to be funny it doesn't matter if it's in the free fringe it doesn't matter where it is it doesn't matter what time it's on at that advert in the festival program is such a huge deal and so if you can scrape the money together scrape the money together i that's what i think i think people have their budgets the, all the wrong way around i think people are paying too little for photography they think that it's just a couple hundred pounds cash and they think oh done and then a couple hundred pounds cash for design oh done and that and and then they don't even bother to take the advert out and instead they're paying for amazing accommodation in edinburgh they're paying too much money for production too much money for or their vent too much money for their venues too much money for PRs and and I think you know the PR it's kind of pointless having a PR if you have got shit images because firstly it doesn't matter how good the PR is if they're shit images they won't get printed they just, it's so difficult to get bad images printed and um, I know because I worked as a, a picture desk editor for and, and a, you know photo editor for, for various publications and you know it we would always pick the better picture over the better comedian. Like, that's how it is, because it, we're, we're trying to make something look visually interesting. So it doesn't matter how good you are if you've got terrible pictures. You know, like, it, you've, got, you've, you know, you've, you've got to have something that, that is exciting to look at, exciting to be part of, that, that people are going to get excited about, that people are going to press like, on hearts on Instagram and likes on Facebook um, so if you're trying to yeah so you've, your budgets a lot of budgets are the wrong way around put the money into the thing that's going to last the longest put the money into the thing that's going to have the biggest impact visually and the biggest impact on your show the biggest impact on getting your name out there because ultimately Edinburgh is a trade show Edinburgh is about getting your name and your face out there and establishing yourself as a comedian and you can be as arty as you want and you're not trying to play the game and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, Daniel Kitson played the game of, at, at the beginning. You know, he won a bunch of stuff and he had a PR and he had an agent and everything. Um, and, and and only now is he, you know, ponting around doing, like, no posters and no press and stuff. But it's like, you don't start mm. out that way, guys. Mm. That's not... You know, you have to earn that if if you want, if you even want it, you know. So it's it's completely, it's, yeah, it's completely stupid to do it the, the other way around. That you need to invest in your show and how your show will be represented. That's a critical thing. Um, so scrape the money together, put it into the photography, put it into the advert, put it into the design. And then spend the rest of your time just doing a kick-ass show. Everything else will fall into place. Because all the questions I've been asked, 
are things like you know what's an eye-catching poster um, what makes a good poster what what should I be looking for in flyer design and it feels like everyone's asking the wrong questions yeah listen anyone can use a camera I can throw my technical guide at you and give you a week and you'd know how to use a camera anyone can buy a camera anyone can you know get their uncle to buy an expensive camera for them and anyone can like read about some typography rules these are all available extensively available on google um free of charge anyone can learn what those rules are of what makes good typographic design what makes good uh, how, how to take a picture and but if you're not coming and if, if the intention is wrong. I, it, the thing is, every single one of my clients, I, I, the, the reason I'm expensive, the reason I take so long is because I really kill myself for every single person that I've ever worked for. I, I, you know, and a lot of people have said this, I care way too much and I'm ruining my own life and, like, I don't have any time, I never leave, my boyfriend is... Is, is so concerned that I just... I don't leave this studio... And well, studio is your flat. Yeah, but the so studio is where I live in my studio. I live in my studio. I never actually leave it. And it's because, you know, the, 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 the shows are so good. The people are so good. The people put in so much work. And then they just, they don't get asked any of these questions by their producers or managers or agents. They don't get asked why they're even bothering to do the show. They don't get asked what they want to do after the show. Their PR campaigns stop. September the 1st they stop but they don't stop they're doing this because they because of some weird thing that happened to them as a kid because they they're messed up and they don't know how to, you know I mean this is this is how they're going to express themselves and it, it it's such a kind of weird tragedy to then get it all like lamed up in some sort of uh, soulless image and and kind of soulless poster which you know i mean the font the 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 typeface impact is is very clear like it's called impact for a reason um but it's it's absolute bullshit if you use it and i keep seeing that that impact being used on posters to you know still in 2015 i'm still seeing impact being used even though it's been you know taken over by memes um, on the internet, you know, if you want to make a meme, you use impact. And people are still using it, and it, it's and it's very clear, you know, typo- typographically speaking, it's a clear, readable font from the dis- from a distance. So, it makes a good, technically speaking, mm. it makes for a good poster, doesn't it? And mm. uh, for a man scratching his head on a white background is clear. It's clear, isn't it? It's clear that that's a, a, a fucking comedian from the other side of the road. It's very clear. It's a, it's a technically accurate poster, but it's awful. And, but why is it awful? It's the same thing. If you stand for an hour and you tell jokes, and technically that is a show, but what makes it, you know, but what makes you different? Why, why bother to do this? Why, what, what, what are your intentions? What you know? What have you given up to do this show? Why are you doing? Why are you leading this terrible life? What do you want out of it? What kind of fans do you want? What kind of people do you want in the audience? Because that's a lot of the time that that's how we design posters to actually keep some people out 
and other people in. Because if you design like a really sort of... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kind of bland poster then you're going to kind of get those people who come in with two pints you know one in each hand and then there's four four guys the eight pints between them all sat in the third row all looking at each other when the comedian cracks a joke and and they they hate the you know they go away they they leave the show not caring about it but if you want to actually create a fan base that's as unique as your comedy then actually you're you know, you have to be quite subtle with the poster design that you, you do and the photos that you do because you're actually trying to appeal to a certain demographic. You can't, you know, one size doesn't fit all. I've been told that I have a style and I, I do understand that, but I, every single different client that I've ever had, I come at it from a completely new point of view. Everything gets thrown out. And everything gets started again. A whole different set of reference images, whole different ideas, um, and it's very exciting. It's very it's, it's very exciting to work that way, and it's very exciting to see people, you know, get famous uh, off my sacrifice. <laughs> and it's also hor- horrifying. Well, I hope one day to earn some money, enough money, so that I can leave the house. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. It's a good hope. Yeah, it's my one hope. You could go gigging again. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I love doing. I've always done comedy. I've always performed comedy. I love doing. It. It's kind of like a sort of secret hobby. Um, and I just, God damn it, I never get the chance to do it. But when I do it, God, I love. Oh, it's the best. It's so much fun. Um, and I kind of think, you know, I'm not saying you have to be funny or be or be a comedian to be able to do this but it it kind of helps to be funny because then you kind of know it it helps to be really judgmental and all all comedians are really judgmental people because that's the whole point of comedy that you're you're very critical of everything like that's why you're funny because you're pointing out all the disaster you're pointing out all the inconsistencies all you're pointing out why everybody's an idiot um and and maybe that makes everyone very depressed but if you're not like that then you can't be a good you're not that type of person you can't be a good photographer you can't be a good art director you can't be a good designer you can't because actually it's the same thing you you you're trying to figure out why something might be crap 
um, and you 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 and therefore you're figuring out how something would be good. You, you're always trying to figure out well that's lame, that's stupid, that's you know that's too naff, that's too wacky, you know that um that looks like a penis, you know it. And if you're not, if you don't have that kind of mindset. I'm not again. I'm not saying you have to be a comedian, but you do have to have that mindset in order to be a good creative. A good creative in anything, whether you're a writer, or well, I kind of think that you have to be like that if you want to be good at any profession. You know, if you're, you know. So it's really, it's kind of really important, and and also I don't know. It it's it's kind of fun to be able to. Um, relate and to empathize with people um, with performance because I find that it's it's kind of horrible you know photo shoots are weird artificial horrible situations where you know you might be in a white studio you might be surrounded by PRs and stylists and makeup artists and random people running about and interns getting popcorn and and you you and it's not you you know you haven't you haven't got up on stage to to do that you've never that's not why you're doing comedy you're not doing comedy to worry about what you look like the best comedians don't you know don't have any ego physical ego about you know what they're actually look that what they actually look like when they're actually performing comedy it's and and so it is a sort of weird artificial thing and if you if if you have a photographer who's got the camera glued to their face and not making any eye contact and not actually sort of talking to you like a real person and not hanging out not making jokes and not just being with you for fun you know and actually doing a fun thing with you and 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 not, not trying to you know do like a, a a part of your show actually come in and be part of your show and extend your show and develop and interpret and translate your show into a visual image if you just get someone who's kind of grunts and doesn't participate then I mean it's horrifying hmm. it's horrifying it, it's artificial you're not you know you'll get a shot you'll get a shot because the photographer knows how to use their camera but it won't have any won't have any goddamn soul like it won't it won't be something that you've created together this is the thing I'm not interested in taking photos I'm interested in creating photos together with the comedian I'm interested in collaboration I'm not interested in just taking a photo and running away I'm not paparazzi I'm not firing my camera at someone and then ru- rushing off we're creating something collaboratively we're improvising things we're, we're planning and planning and planning and planning and then or as anyone who has ever done improv knows that you have to plan and plan and plan and know and know all the techniques and know how to listen and know how to pick up on stuff and then you jump on mistakes you jump I mean it's thrilling you know you so, and if you haven't planned you wouldn't be able to do it you know and you, you and you see what happens you know you you you've plan and plan and plan you get into the shoot and then it's thrilling because then anything can happen and you do that collaboratively you do that because you're both listening to each other you're both talking to each other you're making eye contact to each other you trust each other to have great ideas you know you I'm I'm always asking the person in front of me what they think what, what how they feel about things and and they're asking me the same thing and we you know we become partners rather than, you know, just flashing a camera at someone um, 500 times and playing a numbers game. And say, you know, one shot will be good. But that, that is not a fun way to do this. Are there specific types of shows you 
like working on or and are there any types of show that you wouldn't work on it's not about the type of show it's people oh okay yeah of course because like um you know it straight stand-up shows there can be one uh stand-up comedian who is doing it because they think they'll get famous that way or they think it's cool to do it, or they think they're funny because their mates think they're funny, and they actually don't. They actually are not in any way creative, even though they think they are. And that can be really harrowing. It's really difficult sometimes when you find someone like that because you really have to sort of. I mean, you, you're trying to find something creative in them that they just, you know, sometimes people just don't have. Um, and then someone else, you know, again, doing just a regular hour set of jokes, um, actually comes to that that hour in an incredibly creative way, in, like, a really exciting way. It's got lots of themes or... or again, it doesn't need to be a theme. It's just that they're, they have more rigour. They have more... I don't I don't want to say intellectual because it doesn't matter about the type of comedy. It doesn't matter about the type of comedy, whether it's kind of broad um, or, you know, that's not what I mean. It, it's more of the type that it's, like, rigorous in their brain, that they have thought that it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter how crass the actual jokes are, it's that, that that crassness comes from an exciting place, that crassness comes from, like, a... A, a brain place or in a guttural place like a place that they've really that they're excited about it's that, that they care about that they're thrilled about and sometimes you get people who literally don't seem to care about their show at all they ju- they don't you know and they go up to Edinburgh and they get a bunch of two and three star reviews and then they wonder why nobody cares about them it's because well they didn't care about it you know and that's actually quite a brutal truth that a lot of people can't face that actually you know the reason they do badly is because they they didn't put any work into it i mean they put the wrong sort of work they you know they sometimes hey not always also edinburgh is a bloody russian roulette of a place so you know sometimes a lot of people do badly in it through absolutely no fault of their own and it's devastating so it's not in any way you know anyone's fault either way but um, and then sometimes people don't care and they do really well and that is equally devastating for other reasons. But it's so it's not the type of show I love you know, I love physical comedy, I love clowning, I love circus, I love um I love straight theatre, I you know, I love sketch obviously, I've done sketch for a long time and I love imp- I love every you know, everything but it depends on the person. Mm. It depends on the people. No, I completely agree with that. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I keep saying that. Um, <laughs> no, it's because uh, I wrote a blog post a while ago when I first set this up. Because after the first episode, I spent probably forty minutes trying to find the right shade of green that I wanted for the notes. Yeah. And I wrote a blog post about why I shouldn't have done that. I should have spent more time editing that podcast because I was putting in loads of effort, but just in the wrong place. And it was like, you know, do you know what I mean? It's 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 definite effort going into something. But it just yeah, didn't need it. I sort of disagree with that specific... I mean, I know what you mean generally, but I sort of disagree with that like specific example because actually if you finally choose that right bloody shade of green... Oh, it's beautiful. Sorry. Then, yeah, well, exactly. And then suddenly all your work makes sense. Mm. Like, all you, it's a delight to then t- to then do your work because mm. you're like, God damn it, I love this green. And then you, when you sit down and you write, 
then if you if you if you choose the right you know font that the the size and the kerning and the leading and then you start typing then actually it's kind of a a delight it kind of kills me to type in Arial like I said I have to I have to change the font before I start typing and and then things start to flow and that there's and that makes absolute sense that that isn't a crazy thing at all like I mean god damn it if that was crazy then <laughs> I shouldn't be in public um because <laughs> I spend months choosing I mean God damn it! Yeah, so long choosing things, going over stuff over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I'm a typography nerd. I just yeah, love yeah, it, and yeah. I and I love shades of like I don't like the block shade you get in hex codes. I like like the kind of ones around yeah, it. Really? Yeah, because yeah. they're just so much better. Yeah. Like I do, plus like the little palette you get. You mm. know, when you click the thing and it just gives you those like base colors. You know, red, mm. orange, whatever. They're rubbish. And then you go to like that pinwheel and you can just spend hours just moving it around, watching the shades change. And you're oh, like, the pinwheel. Oh, I yes. Love it. Um, maybe it's just us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, well, yeah. I I I kind of think basically it's the sa- I feel the same way as I feel about people who say, "Oh, I'm rubbish at computers." Like those people are the worst people in the whole world. Because you're not rubbish at computers, you're just lame and awful. Like, you, it, if you sat down and you just paid attention, then you would realise that you do care a huge amount and you could use a computer if you wanted to because you're on Facebook all the time, you idiot. So you know you're using a very, like, sophisticated interface already. So you're great at computers. Um, so it's in the same way when people are like oh I don't know what you know I don't know what to have in my photos I don't know what to have in my designs but then they go around judging photos all the time and liking photos and not liking other photos and loving stuff on Instagram they're you know they're 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 frequent habitual obsessive judges and consumers of photography and design Everyone is. Every single person in the world, in the well, in the world, in our very little privileged bubble in the, the United world. Kingdom. Yeah, the world. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're all we're all obsessed with images. So we all know. We all understand what we like and what we don't like because we're we're algorithmically detailing that all the time now. So we're all experts at it. So if someone someone comes and they're like, oh, I don't really know what you know what photos I want, then I will just sit them down and I'll get it out of them. I'll I'll interrogate them until they finally like form an opinion about it because they do have the opinions. It's just deep down they haven't rigorously asked themselves that. And the more rigor you have in your show, the better it's going to be. The better because it, it makes you question your show as well. So yeah, so people people are experts on judging photos and having opinions about photos. And if they say they don't, because I think they have that same reaction to maths and same reaction to computers, they're like, oh, I'm terrible at maths, oh, I'm terrible at computers, and actually it's like maths isn't that hard and computers aren't that hard. We do maths all the time and we do Excel sheets all the time and we do we play with computers constantly. We're always on Facebook, we're always on our iPhones, we're, we're using really elaborate user interfaces constantly, so everybody's good at computers already. Um, so I interrogate it out of them. I, I, you know, if they they come to me with that sort of whiny kind of like, oh, I don't really know what I want from photos. It's like, well, you know, I sit them down and I I get them to 
rummage inside themselves and figure out what they do want out of photos, what they really do, because everybody does have opinions. Everybody is constantly judging. Everybody is an expert in having opinions about photos and visual design, visual narrative, visual communication. Um, um, so, yeah. So from your end, there must be a lot of psychology going into the design of uh, marketing materials. Yeah, I mean, there's... It, a photo shoot is, is kind of like a therapy session. Because that's what it is, because you're asking why, and you're asking how, why are you bothering to do this shoot, how we want to bother doing this shoot, how you feel about things, how you're feeling right now, how you felt today, um, all your insecurities, all, all the positions. Are, this, it, it's, it's a way of thinking that actually maybe you've never had to answer to before. Because... Sometimes I think everybody in creative industries spends a lot of time justifying their decisions, like whether it's to your partner or to your parents, especially to your parents, um, to your other friends who are doing really well and who like went to law school and um, or own a restaurant. And I mean, like other people seem to have like their lives sorted out. They have mortgages. We, we've all been taught that like having a mortgage and having kids like that's that's how your life is sorted out and and so many people in the creative industries are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and like are still like working on these weird shows like about spoons and like oh my god they've got this idea and if they 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 dress in a in a skirt made of spoons and and, and it, you know they've got this ridiculous idea and actually it'll work it'll be so funny if it worked but only they realize that only they know then it'll work is every time they try and describe they're a ridiculous hula skirt made of spoons. It sounds it sounds completely stupid. And so people go around not telling people why and how and why they're doing this and how they're doing it and why they're bothering to do the show. They're not ever actually saying that stuff out loud with words. They're only going around justifying why they're doing it. Like, oh, yeah, or, or agreeing that it's so nice to do something creative everybody who works in these fields have has all have, we've all had that patronizing condescending thing said to us which is like oh god it must be so nice for you to work doing something creative and and you know you want to punch them in their stupid face because it's horrible to work in the creative industry. You have to do all your own accounting. You have no security. You, your whole life is a mess. You know, you, you wake up sweat in sweaty panics every night and you have no idea how to relate to other people. Like, it's, it's a complete nightmare. And you're never really sure if you're ever going to... It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It's not a meritocracy. You can still end up, like, nameless and moneyless and in a pile of your own laundry and you know and so we spend a lot of time justifying ourselves instead of just talking about why we're fucking doing this and sometimes that all comes out in a photo shoot and that all comes up that all comes out in a design session and I think that that's that's so there's a lot of there's a lot of interpretation of that that goes into design and the poster um, from that end so we're talking about so like where the poster comes from 
And then when you're then interpreting it in terms of a marketing tool, I think that's maybe what you're referring to um, specifically is that you take all of that psychology and that mess and you <laughs> reflect it and you make it wonderful, you boil it down, you make it into a very simple message and then that's that's on on that side is very, very critical that you're simplifying all of that mess, all of that backstory, all of those emotions, all of those fears and paranoias into and and also excitements and posit- positive things as well it's not all bad guys it's not all bad you're boiling it down to a singular message um because that in terms of psychology of people viewing it you need to you need to make it very iconic eye-catching simple clear message that isn't isn't being it, it is not undercut by rubbish type or type that doesn't flow very well or that doesn't have a nice sort of flowing uh kerning height um kerning width or any kind of you know it, it's all aligned up nicely on each margin and you know all of these things if done incorrectly they're all distractions they're all you know horrible sort of and, and you you want to boil it down to a very clear message um because photography ultimately is just communicative design it's a form of communication um so you can't have mixed messages and and everybody does have mixed messages that's what's so challenging and exciting about doing this work is that everybody is a a mix of conflicting and paradoxical emotion and mess and you have to dig and dig and dig and dig and find that one underlying principle that you want to evoke and represent um and in terms of you know in terms of advertising psychology yeah you could be very cynical about it there are lots of different you know uh rules and tips that you can adhere to but you can do all of those tricks as much as you want if it's not coming from a fun exciting creative place that's cohesive with the rest of the show and the rest of the creativity then you're on a losing track anyway. It doesn't matter how many tricks you throw at a poster, you're not going to get anywhere with it. That makes sense. And that, again, answers a lot of questions that I've been asked. And it, again, feels like most people are focused... I think if I hadn't heard the stuff expressed the way you've expressed it, I would have carried on thinking, I just need a pretty image to put up on a wall... A lot of people think that. Yeah, I've, I've thought that for the last three Edinburgh's, and I didn't even do a show in the first one. I just looked at posters and thought, oh, that's a pretty image, that's what people do, that's why that works. Yeah, and people don't realise that actually, you know, the the best images, the best posters are are doing so much more. And maybe a lot of that is subliminal, and, and that's, that's part of the reason this job is takes so much out of me, because the sign of a good producer is a producer that isn't noticed you know almost i mean that you know it's a very th- can be a very thankless task the majority of the work i do does not get noticed by anybody um and that's actually a compliment when people say oh it's it, you know it's a great poster and they don't see it you know they don't know why it's a great poster they don't know why they they've never they've never even questioned why it's a good poster it's a great image they 
they don't know why and actually subliminally there's so much going on um, that it might speak to them emotionally or narratively or in ways that tie into sort of a different campaign thematically um, there's cohesiveness between like a, a pack of images over a period of a year you know there, there's all sorts of stuff happening um, and and all of that all of that is essential because that's what that's what evokes that emotional response but people don't know why they like things a lot of the time you don't know necessarily why you you know um prefer Channing Tatum to Ryan Gosling but you know that you do um so it's it's very guttural it's very instinctive and and that's what you're that's what you're trying to aim for but actually aiming for that is it's the most thankless task. I mean, it's, it's you know that you've done it. You know that you've put all that work in. But my God, you know, producers don't realise. Producers are just photocopying um, pretty images that they see. That's what a lot of... I mean, that's why a lot of posters are crap. That's why... You know what? That's why a lot of posters are middling. And that's almost worse than being crap. You know? The middling poster. The ones that have clearly seen other good posters other good and good same with comedy as well are the good like the middling shows you know the mm. ones i mean the ones that are like they've clearly seen great comedians that they love and they think that if they just do it in the same rhythms and they mm. just get up on stage use a, use a microphone they dress kind of the same and they have they grow out their hair they grow out a big beard they put glasses on, or they, or they, you know, they put a suit. Yeah, take your glasses. <laughs> <off. laughs> or they wear a suit. They, you know, and they're just they're just Copy sort of effect. imitating people. They're just photocopying people, and then they don't realise why they're not great immediately. Or I've had people, you know, send me kind of photos of Steve McQueen and be like, I want a photo like this. Actually, the photos, the photo itself, technically. The, the Steve McQueen photo might not be actually that good mm. as a technical piece of photography and the reason it's it's a great image is actually only because Steve McQueen is so famous and you know became yeah. like an absolute icon you can't just replicate that no. you can't just photocopy that you can't just you know it's like it's only this middling t-shirted comedian in the post in, in the photograph yeah. you can't create an icon all of, all of a sudden that's, that's why it takes 10 years to get good. Or it takes, uh, you know, they say it God damn, it takes a minimum of 10 years to get good yeah. at anything. Take a minimum, an absolute... And also, 10 years of dedicated work to get good. It's not 10 years of sitting around and doing some gigs every so often and being shit at them. It's 10 years of, of working and dedicating and doing it every single day and, and, and forcing yourself to criticise yourself, to, to rigorously analyse how you're doing it, why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, and getting better and better and better, and loving it, and get and getting so excited about it. It takes ten years of that. It doesn't take ten years of you know any to anybody's random ten years. Um, so I think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of imitate there's a lot of people who think that just imitating good stuff is a, is good stuff, and that's not the same. Do Do you think there's a point in someone's career that they are better to come to you so in other words like maybe not their first time ever going to Edinburgh because it's maybe them just doing a split show with a friend I do I do all sorts of you know um, and 
I work with people at all stages of their career. So I work with celebrities, but I also work with people who literally it's their first Edinburgh. In fact, I work with people who aren't even taking a show to Edinburgh. It's their, it's their first photo shoot. Right. Um, yeah, because I think, again, as I was saying earlier, taking that first photo, establishing yourself as a comedian, that's actually quite a critical juncture because you're, you, you're pissing around on Facebook saying that you're doing a gig and stuff like that. And it's only really when your friends and family see this like professional shoots and they appear on Facebook that actually people are like, oh, sh-, you know, holy shit, like they actually mean it. They mm. actually went, you, you invest that money. You're like, I'm investing this money. I'm dedicating myself to at least one or two years of being a comedian. Because you don't take, you don't come to me and you do, you know, you, you invest the money and you do a shoot and then you drop out three months later. You know, you come in and, and, and that means it's a very serious commitment. And actually, um, I've worked with people at the beginning of their career and actually this all this process that I do is, is, is kind of like really exciting at the beginning of someone's career because they're really forging their identity. They're really like, and, and part of the photo shoot is to visualise that, is to forge that visually. And that's really exciting. Because um, otherwise you can spend, if you don't do something like that, if you don't, if you spend a long time, um, you know, figuring out what you're about, I think you can languish for years, like not really kind of, you know, you may as well put your foot on the accelerator pedal as soon as possible and be like, okay, this is what I'm about. And you can always, you know, a couple of years down, change it, change it again, change it again. The photos can keep reflecting how you're changing. But I think if you start out with terrible photos looking like an idiot, then, you know, that's kind of the first impressions that people are going to get. You know, why have wacky photos at the beginning? People are going to hate you. Um, Like, people are not going to come to see your show. You want people to come to see your shows. And I know this is, you know, obviously you want to develop your craft and stuff, but you're only going to develop your craft if people come and see you. Mm. Like, if people are excited about you. And if the photos reflect your work and the work reflects the photos, and I think each of them pushes the work further and further. I think you can step, if you have a really great set of photos, you actually can step up to it. You're like, oh, oh God, you know, I've got to be good. <laughs> like, um, I've got to put the work in. You know, as soon as you put that, en- that, that blurb into the fringe programme, you spend £300 and you get that entry in the fringe programme, then guess what? You actually fucking write a show. You know, because you have to, because people are going to come and it's in there and you've got a venue. Um, And if you don't put the, you know, if you don't bother putting the blurb in and you don't bother, you know, getting your photos sorted or your design sorted, then you know what? You're probably not even going to get your show sorted. Like, you know, you've got (laughs) to... You gotta build it, and then you will come. <laughs> well, you mentioned a lot about PR, yeah, and about how. So, for example, when you worked on a photo desk, I mean, I've done some journalism work before, and I'm I'm aware of that as well, where they where they are working on an aesthetically pleasing magazine as best they can, because that is ultimately what people will look at before they, yeah, you know, read anything. Um, it's kind of the the eye catching photo to get people to draw people in. You, your company does PR as well. Mm-hmm. Does that involve like so when you're discussing out with people, saying what do you want to do, what do you want from the show, what's the you know what's the result of the other end? Does, is that the kind of thing that you guys do or push 
through uh, like at the moment um i i'm only doing pr for our own in-house produced projects so we did this comedian the live show and then we've done a bunch of other shows and then we're doing i'm uh we're in-house producing my exhibition comedy um and we're actually collaborating with chloe nelkin um who's doing our pr um for that and you know and we've uh, i've worked with other prs before and i've done my own pr for shows it always depends really with pr the thing about pr is the same kind of deal it's that a lot of people criticize prs so unfairly you know because it, it's um it's a collaborative effort they book a pr and then they expect the world on a stick and it's it's actually you've got to put in the work as much as possible you've got to be available you've got to create your own leads you've got to you know make things worth talking about as well you know um and you've got to have a good set of photos that the pr can use and play with um you know there's so many articles that have gone in simply because of one of my photos like only because of one of my photos like and that's led to whole articles and 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 front covers and all sorts of things so it's it's a very collaborative process it's part of the show and it's part of the but it's also part of the business side of the show yeah. in terms of getting the thing and i think so many comedians spend ages working on the show part of show business they don't think of they think yeah. of anything and to do with they, the, yeah and then they wonder why they fail because you because as much as you don't want to play the game you sort of this have isn't a play the game anything. This is your life. This is your name. This is your your whole livelihood. This is, by the way, guys. This is your this is your livelihood. This is how you're earning money. So this is no this 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 phrase playing the game is 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 a phrase that I'm absolutely sick of. It's like if they get a PR, they think they've sold out. They're like, oh, but Kitson doesn't have a PR. It's like first of all, his name is Daniel Kitson, not Kitson. So it, it's this sort of like deification of the of these people that don't have PRs, that don't have agents, that say, oh, it's selling out. It's all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, dude, that that's how he plays that's how he plays his game that's his thing that's his that's his way that works for his material that works for his show that works for his the way he's developed as an artist that can't get just translated onto anybody else you know there are other people who don't have prs or don't have agents and it works for them very specifically for them because actually that in itself him not having an agent is in itself a reflection of his work. And people think that they can just take that and run with it with their terrible work and think, oh, well, you know, if he doesn't have an agent, then I won't have an agent. It's like, what is wrong with you that you, you, you know, you, you idolise people and don't extract actual facts, you know, any kind of useful information from it? Um, this isn't a playing the game. It's that you have to... You have to. For- There's no bloody career path in this, in in the creative industries. Not a single. There's nothing. There's no seven year, ten year here, and then three years apprenticeship there. There's nothing. We have to figure it out all by ourselves. We have to do all our accounts. We've got to do all our business strategy. We've got to do all our bloody websites and social media now, and 
I mean everything we've got to do everything ourselves and so we've got to actually put the work into it and we've got to learn accounting by the way you've got to learn how to do it you've got to learn how to do taxes you've got to look at your Edinburgh settlement and figure it out and figure out where the money is coming from the money is part of the creative process that's what's so essential to understand. You can't just throw money at a producer and throw money at a photographer and throw money at PR. You've got to bring them on board. You've got they've got to be collaboratively involved in your show. Otherwise, there's no point in having them. You're better off having a completely um, inexperienced friend doing your PR who's obsessed with your show and good at googling then you are just throwing three grand at a, a, a high-profile PR who has no interest and who will just do a sort of cut-and-paste job than, than they do with all their, their other people in their books. You're better, off, you're better off with a photographer who, like, again, who ha- you're better off with your mum doing your photos if she if she's like obsessed with art and like has like a little cute little you know a beginner dslr camera and you're better off with someone obsessed with you than you are with just throwing money at someone and you know and that's kind of that's that's what i do i I come in and i get obsessed with the people i work with get absolutely obsessed with them and, um, you know, I, obviously I need to earn money, so sometimes it's hard to turn people down. Um, and every so often I get lumped with someone who's an absolute, you know, arsehole, and I've got to get obsessed with them as well. And that's very hard. Um, but, you know, thankfully 99% of everyone, is, uh, you know, they're all brilliant and exciting and thrilling to work with. But... I think that's the thing. It, it's this, this playing the game is nothing. This is your career, it's your name, your reputation, everything that you s- strive for. You know, it, it. This is you know, it's your business. This is a business. This is this is how you're going to earn money. It's how you're going to take care of your children and your partner. Like, just grow the fuck up and and realize that you are both earning money and trying to develop yourself creatively. There's no. If you don't earn money, you won't be able to develop yourself creatively. The money is part of the creativity, and anyone who tries to separate it is a fucking naive idiot. By the way, Daniel Kitson makes money, guys. So, you know, stop separating it. Stop seeing it as a way of selling out, and start seeing it as an exciting, critical intertwined part of the creative process you, you earlier said um you love seeing like clients like get famous from your work and and get really good recognition and stuff do you ever since my first edinburgh like so the last one i've done i and then this year as well i keep trying to write down a list of what i want from edinburgh because i figure i want to have some targets i want to have some aims and it sounds like you sit down with people and go um what do you want from this? Do you want do you want like management? Do you want like PR? Do you want the reviews? Do you want like mm-hmm. uh, a tour off the back? All that kind of stuff. Are there any aims that you think? I mean, obviously it will vary and vary, but like a lot of so, for example, a lot of comedians in their early stages think, "Oh, I'll go to Edinburgh, I'll get discovered, I'll get management, and everything will be all right." I mean, are there any unrealistic aims that you would like to put a pin in the bubble of? <laughs> I mean, all of them. Yeah, Edinburgh's not a fairy godmother. 
Edinburgh is a terrible place. Uh, it's a dog show. Everybody is there selling their wares and everybody is being compared to everyone. And then, awfully, there's a bloody competition. Um, we, and everyone says, everyone I've ever met, like, yeah, obviously I don't care about the Edinburgh Award. Or obviously I'm not in it for that. And everybody cares about it because everybody in the third week, that's all that anyone ever talks about. And it is horrifying. And it's the worst thing in the world. And and I and it's it's so it's so awful really because again it's another way of reductive this this reductive process it's like you know if you don't get nominated and then everybody is like oh yeah they're definitely on the long list the amount of times I've heard agents claim all their clients are definitely on the long list is hilarious um, the more you put in the more you get out. It's got nothing to do with awards. It's got nothing to do with management. It's got nothing to do with agents. Um, the more you put in, in terms of your work and everything around it, remember that it's not just the show. It's everything around the show as well. The business side of it, the contacts that you make, your mailing list, your website, everything that you're building. The more you will get out of it, and the more the more right stuff you will get out of it, instead of just chucking money, you, you want to create something really that's yours, that it, that has to be you being up on stage rather than any other random comedian could have taken your place. And that's what I see on a lot of posters that literally, like, it could have been any other comedian who's you know thirty three years old on that poster, and it, nobody would notice the difference. And it's the same with, like, a lot of people's shows. Is that Actually, there's, like, a lot of shows that I've seen, stand-up shows and sketch shows, that's like, well, this could be any random four 23-year-olds doing this sketch show, or this could be, you know, any random 27-year-old woman doing this character show. It's, it's like, it, it doesn't... It, you kind of have to... You have to really make it yours, and, and that's the same in... And that... It's the same with the publicity and the press and and every part of that. And then you will get the right kind of fans. You will get the right type of management. You'll get the right type of PR. You'll get the right type of TV commissions if you get them, you know, or it'll be the start of it. You'll get people who start to get obsessed with you. And that's the thing. You want to be people's favourite comedian. Every, you don't want to just be a comedian that's doing, that's done well. Because that will lead nowhere. You want to be... It's better to be the favourite ever comedian of, like, ten people than to be the sort of 50th favourite comedian of a thousand people. You know what I mean? Mm. Does that make any sense? It's better to have, you know, that those that tiny group of obsessed people. That's what you want. Because that has legs. That will grow. But the other thing won't grow. That goes nowhere. It's the 1,000 True Fans theory, if you know that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Where, you, yeah, you need X amount... Well, obviously, it varies. But you need X amount of people to give you X amount of money each year who really care what you do yeah. in order to make a profit and be a profitable <laughs> artist. Yeah. Yeah. But that, and that's what Edinburgh's for, I think, is to start to find those fans. And that should be your expectation, and that's, that should be the end of your expectation that is what your aim should be to take up a beautiful funny show that's yours and 
only yours in every aspect of it, with the production and the show and the performance and the business side of it. And then to find people who love it, absolutely love it. And that is it. That should be your aim and nothing else. Because everything else will come. And and you know you've got and you've got to write the emails you've got to make contacts you've got you know you've got to like you've got to do the grunt work you've got to get in touch you can't expect people to just show up you've got to tell you know start to tell people about it you know get in touch with uh, the commissioners get in touch with agents get in touch with producers get in t- get in touch with them say hi and say hi again and follow it up and follow it up again because people just send one email and they're like oh they never got in touch with me they're such a dick and it's like well no, you dick, they're really busy and they're getting thousands of these emails. Like, email them again, send them a basket of hams. Not hams, I'm vegan now, but, you know, like, of jams, jams. Send them a basket of jams. You know, be something different and people will find you. That was Adil. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. I found her fascinating and exciting and really knowledgeable and I got so much out of just a few hours of talking to her. If this isn't enough for you and you want to talk to her more, you can come down to her exhibition. Find the event on Facebook. It's called The Comedy Collective's Field Trip to Idil Sukhan's Exhibition, This Comedian. The exhibition's called This Comedian. The website for it is thiscomedian.com. And I hopefully see you there. I'm going to be there, so come say hi to me as well. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please, please take a minute and review it on iTunes. really helps out. We're up to 19 reviews now. Love to get it up to 20. Just take a moment. And also, if you see it on 20, don't think, well, Simon got his wish. Let's get up to 30. Let's just keep going with it. A number of guests who are signing up are reading the reviews and haven't fully got through a complete podcast yet. To be fair to them, they are quite long. So please help out the show. Take a minute. Review it. If you're new to the show, why not hit that subscribe button because it really helps out with numbers. It also means you get it direct to the podcast player of your choice. Uh, And if you don't have iTunes and you can't subscribe, you can do it on Stitcher. We're there as well. And if you can't do that, if you look on the website, there's a mailing list you can sign up to. And I'll email you every time there's a new podcast. In fact, you'll get it a few hours before anyone else. So you've really got no excuses. Finally, if you really love the podcast, if you want to give me a pound for all my hard work please feel free to do that on PayPal. A pound, two pound, whatever you can give really helps out and it really, really is appreciated by me. You can find the click to donate button on the website which is asktheindustrypodcast.tumblr.com Next week's podcast is going to be with Jeff Whiting who is the owner and founder of Murph Control Comedy Clubs which runs over 100 comedy clubs around the UK. On their website they are billed as the largest independent comedy booker. They're also a management agency I'm looking forward to chatting to him about what it takes to get booked, what he looks for in an act, what he looks for in an act to manage, realistically, how often in a year will you get booked, and if you can't wait for that, we've got two episodes out by Bookers already, episode one with Hills Jager, and episode two with Alex Petty, so if you want to have a quick listen to them, that will give you a sample for what you're looking forward to getting this week. Thank you very much for listening, bye! 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.